Welcome to Breaking the Chain, where we deep dive into the lives and experiences of entrepreneurs looking to shake up, change, and innovate their industries. In this podcast, we explore the challenges, successes, and everyday ups and downs of individuals fighting in the trenches for their dreams to become a reality. I'm your host, Nathaniel Chapman. Today, I'm joined by Matt Chai, Grajewski, CEO, and Richard Rushby, COO of SG Papertronics, the innovators behind the Bureau Meter. Welcome back to episode eight of Breaking the Chain. Today, I'm joined by Richard Rushby at Matchak, founder and COO of SG Papertronics, the innovators behind the Bureau Meter. Welcome, guys. How are you doing? Great. Thank you very much indeed. Thanks for having us. Yes, that's a great opportunity. Oh, don't worry. I'm really glad to have you both on today. So I'm really excited to explain to our listeners today a bit on the journey behind SG Papertronics in general, obviously your latest product, Bureau Meter, along with each of your own personal journey. Uh, I guess that probably the best thing to do is to start a little bit with an introduction to your business. I mean, Richard, perhaps we can start with you on, on introducing our listeners to your business, a bit on your guys' purpose and, and the problem the Bureau Meter is trying to solve. Sure. So yeah, um, SG Papertronics is a um, entrepreneurial startup from Groningen in the Netherlands. We have an interesting story which we'll get into later on, but uh, we basically came together uh, to solve a problem which we saw in industry, specifically the craft brewing industry. So we produce a mobile lab, very similar kind of market proposition to an espresso pod machine. Um, we we saw that brewers are struggling in the craft beer industry to. Um, have consistency in their product and we wanted to help them to solve that problem without having to become chemists themselves so we created a machine which works in a similar way to like an espresso pod machine you you choose a sample which you need to run you fill a cup from the top uh, with a bit of a sample stick it in the machine press go on the machine and it just runs the test for you so brewers don't have to be chemists Um, and we really focused on making the device to be intuitive portable and accurate as much as possible. And for people that I guess that aren't familiar with the brew, because obviously I guess there's a lot of, you know, I look into the bureau meter and I was thinking of all the tests that you can do, everything, mm-hmm. and with individual tests, etc. What is the benefit to a craft brewer of having something like this? Is it kind of something that, you know, I know obviously it doesn't have to have maybe such a big lab to to utilize it, but how can it help some of these smaller craft brewers bring bring better products to the market? So um, a lot of craft brewers, especially in America, um, when they get to a certain scale, they're able to bring this lab in. But it's it's and it's always something they do do because it is it just it helps you in terms of the consistency of your product. It helps from a quality perspective. It's in the name, obviously. Um, and it helps also when you're developing products. A lot of the time you're changing so many organic components in a beer. It's very difficult to understand uh, what made the change to your beer. So by having a lab, you're able to accurately identify what's changed and what it changed within the beer. Um, And then with your knowledge and your craftsmanship within how to make your beers, you're able to identify which ingredients you need to tweak to make a new and better or more interesting beer. Um, And within the beers you have, it's important to ensure that everything is the same so that when a customer's found a beer which they really like, which you have, they're able to have it again each time. So how would somebody, I guess, in the past have been able to, you know, if, they, if this device didn't exist for craft brewers, are they just doing it on a taste test analysis? Are they trying to do some of these tests themselves? Uh, yeah, what, what sort of the process before the Bureau Meter was an option, I guess? 
Yeah, so um, actually a lot of the brewers themselves, they have like four kind of options. They, they can kind of do some basic testing themselves. So uh, devices like refractometers, uh, they can do obviously heat tests and pH tests using paper and thermometers. And that, that helps them, but it's a limited level of accuracy. There are machines which are available, but they all focus on one kind of parameter at a time, maybe two or some of them. Uh, but that costs you quite a bit of money per machine. We're talking a couple thousand per machine. And again, there's no guarantee you don't have to have some kind of training to actually use the machine accurately. Um, the other options available to them are remote testing. Um, and the one which you mentioned there, yes, uh, they, they call it sensory testing. Uh, but taste test is actually pretty accurate, I'd say. Um, a lot of the brewers we talk to, they talk about the fact that yeah, they, they taste a beer at the end just before they like they sell it and before they bottle it and they taste it along the way. So they, they get an experience of what looks like it's going the right way. But there are many parameters ultimately which can change. So, I, And Mache, I guess looking a bit under the bonnet with the technology itself, what, I guess what makes this product unique? And I, and I guess we'll little, this will lead into a little bit because I understand this wasn't exactly this technology and what you're utilizing. You hadn't initially thought about it for the beer industry, but you've sort of, we were talking before and you've fallen into it with that and it's become a fantastic use for this technology. But where did it sort of come from? And, and uh, yeah, what, what kind of makes the overall product unique in your eyes? Yeah, so technology comes from the University of Groningen. And as you emphasized, we didn't think about craft beer market uh, from the beginning we stumbled on it uh, a bit later on but uh, as academics we were thinking about applying it or for some really high-end portable testing or for some medical application but those markets are pretty crowded and we started looking outside of a so-called box so what makes it unique we utilize really basic uh, really simple material, which is paper or some kind of porous material, hence papertronics, to run those tests, to deposit chemicals. Paper is really convenient when you want to store some chemicals, when you want to store your samples, but it lacks the precision. And the patent that, uh, that we have actually battles this, uh, this disadvantage of using paper for analytical testing. And we built around this patented invention a readout device which can have like embedded protocols for different kind of uh, for different kind of uh, chemical tests so instead of having a one parameter per device you can have multiple parameters in one device because all the tests that we are building they are based on colorimetry so we are measuring in simple words we are measuring the intensity or a change of a color to link it with changes in different chemical parameters so that kind of links me into why the business is papertronics then. Because I was always like, oh, I couldn't, you know, the bureau meter, how it relates with papertronics and, and et cetera. But what I really like to hear, uh, Maciej, is I think a lot of times people, especially listeners on this show, have an idea for, for technology, right? Or, or something that they're exploring a little bit proactively. And I think it's really encouraging to know that you guys didn't really make, or you didn't really have an idea. You, you knew maybe it was interesting technology and something you want to pursue and put time into, but you weren't sure that it was actually going to maybe be applied in this way. So the application of your product came later in the development process, right? True. So beer was always somehow involved with, uh, with development of this technology because, believe it or not, uh, I still have beer coasters onto which the, the first drawings of the patented device were, were sketched. <laughs> 
That's cool. So it actually happened. It happened in one of the local bars here in Groningen, in the northern parts of the Netherlands. Is that explaining a bit more of how you and Richard met? Let's go back to that. That's a good way to lead into, I guess, your guys's origin story, as it were. So you've got this incredible, interesting piece of technology now that you're obviously now selling to craft breweries and actually in many cases, even in larger beer companies as well, to help them with their ability to attest rapidly. Where did this concept come from for you, Maciej? And, and Leah, tell us more about this story and this coaster. <laughs> I'd, I'd love to, I'm just cutting in a little bit here, um, but we we have to be clear that we, we're not quite yet in the market. Um, we, we are nearly there, but we're at the minute just prototyping the device. Yeah. That's true. Okay. So we're always enjoying craft beer after like long hours in the lab uh, doing PhDs and we're like conceptualizing different crazy ideas. And one of them that was put on the coaster actually led to a patented device, uh, which actually we thought it was awesome. And we wanted to apply it initially for, uh, uh, this is called something like point of care diagnostics so that you can let patients test their saliva or blood uh, blood mm. but this market was super crowded we really we really had to abandon this idea very quickly and uh, as you know the netherlands is very big on water yeah so they have a lot of water they're sitting on water so we thought water testing will be our thing not at all, because there's a lot of competition and regulations. So we had to abandon again other market, and we started looking into like markets like uh, groundwater testing for farmers. It was going in many different directions, but it actually happened with Venture Lab, that's organized like a business incubator attached to the University of Groningen, organized a course that I participated and I listened to. Uh, one of the local brewers, Martin, from Martinez, and he had really cool story about how he started his own business and where he was coming from. But he said nothing about quality control or quality assurance during the brewing process. I approached him after uh, after the lecture, and he very honestly said that uh, he would like to do more, but it's really not affordable. They can they can brew without uh, a lot of sophisticated equipment. However, the knowledge is missing and therefore consistency or reproducibility of different types of beers is not always spot on. So they would like to become more mature businesses by elevating, elevating their uh, brewing process. Then I started thinking, okay, so how many of those breweries is around? And I started really tweaking with this idea in all imaginable ways. But again, from really technological perspective, and only when by a joint friend of ours, I met with Richard, actually, yeah, joint friend of, joint friends of ours from Venture Lab, actually. Again, I started talking to Richard, and Richard really brought it to, to the next level and formalized formalized business plan, financial forecasting, something that, you know, I could really download templates from the internet and think that they make sense, but he actually challenged them and make them much better, which actually led to to an investment. Oh, fantastic. How much, what, what did you study at university? So, Because you obviously came into this with this being part of your product and, and PhD studies, and then it, obviously you developed this product through your education until it led into to being an, a viable product. What were you studying at the time? So by training, I'm biotechnologist. So I was always looking into how different microorganisms can contribute to the society or how they can damage it. 
I was looking from technological standpoint how they are making it. For my PhD, I actually was involved in in microfluidic field, which is rather looking in strictly into technological development. So how to miniaturize different uh, lab equipment, how to how to make everything small. So microfluidics is very similar to what happened to the computers. Yeah. So you miniaturized a lot of electronics and now we are really, really miniaturizing uh, different lab equipment. And that's what really fascinated me. Uh, yeah, I was always on technology side. And uh, to be honest, like because all those things are really in the disciplinary, I was never alone. And I don't have all the expertise that was really required to develop a product. So we really benefited from help from many people. Yeah. And, and it's kind of neat to see that um, after you're developing this product and this presentation, I mean, at that stage, was that kind of a light bulb moment with the technology? Were you thinking at that moment when you were speaking and being able to have those questions with a brewer, this is actually, this is the direction we want to take it in? Or was it at that point, hey, this is just another avenue for me to start to explore, uh, which opened you up to meeting to meeting Richard? So for breweries, I was, I was really determined because I thought that it's unique. I wasn't 100% sure that this is something what will really make my business, mm. but I really liked it. I really clearly seen the need and I liked those people. They were really communicative and very open for collaboration. So for me, that, that was the key. And for a long, long time, I've heard from business people that, yeah, there's not enough companies. There's probably not enough market potential. You really have to show us numbers. And what I was showing wasn't convincing enough. And uh, from the moment when Richard joined in, business as well matured a bit, the crowd brewery scene, and uh, everything started coming together. And Richard, I mean, maybe a good place for me to redirect to you because your background's a bit unique because I know you've been doing, you did actually a lot of work in program and, and project management. And that's how we met, funny enough, as, as a candidate <laughs> some time ago for a recruitment process. How did you, I mean, because this leads up to, I guess, you guys having a chance to meet and, and what, you know, the story of you guys combining anyway, but what one brought you to Groningen anyway, because I know you were living and working in the UK and um, how, how did you get in a position where you were going from working for some very big corporations to, you know, jumping into a startup as a COO? Well, uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting because um, so I did 10 years in project and program management. Um, I was actually in the UK initially and uh, my wife and I met there and got married and she was offered a job in the Groningen region. So we moved here. Um, I was working as a my, my own small kind of startup company there. It was just a one man company at that stage, but I had ideas how it might develop. Uh, when I moved to the Netherlands, uh, I stayed with the area of expertise I had. So PMO, project management office, uh, specializing kind of fixing kind of broken projects and programs. Um, but then I, I kind of realized that I'd done this a few times. Going back and working for large corporations was interesting and always different, mm. um, but it had elements which are quite the same. So I was looking more and more at these smaller companies uh, where, for lack of a better way of putting it, maybe a bit more coachable. Um, there's less layers to go through. You can talk to people who are making decisions. Uh, so I actually went back to university after 10 years in industry, um, and I was doing a master's business administration at the University of Groningen, uh, which in itself was an interesting experience, having not been a student, quite a mature student at that stage, shall we say. 
And I took on the opportunity that they had the Venture Lab, which was attached to the Faculty of Economics and Business. And they had a Venture Lab weekend where you could do a deep dive for three days into creating a business. And I really liked the idea actually at that point of a sustainable brewing project. I was looking at how we could make beer more sustainably. And I still have this interest in doing that. Uh, but off the back of that, people kept saying, oh, there's this guy, Marcia, you should talk to. He has this idea around beer and how they can help quality control in craft beer. Yeah, about three or four people within the team said, yeah, you should meet this guy. And they said, well, we'll bring him along to one of the evenings. I said, okay, great. He turns up, and at which point we realized that we actually have some uh, friends in common. <laughs> and we've been drinking in Martinez, in fact, itself uh, a few times. So you'd met, met over beers before? Yes, we just hadn't quite... I'm, I'm not great with names. I, I always write things down if because I don't remember names. So I'm very good with faces. So um, when Martin, uh, Martinez and Martin came up, I was like, That's, we might have met there. And then Marche turned up and that was it. Oh, how cool. I, I, I think it's kind of neat to see the progress because um, it's funny to think now because we obviously looked at job opportunities for you back then, which is how we connected. And mm. Almost lucky those things, you know, didn't move forward. We didn't look at, you know, opportunities because it gave you the chance to go back to school, do your MBA and for you guys to meet. Not to say that corny saying that everything happens for a reason, but <laughs> at least then it's open doors to you that you didn't maybe you didn't know about. For sure. And actually, when I did this MBA, I wasn't, I didn't go into the MBA thinking I will start my own business. I actually thought I was going to uh, mature my project and program skills to work with small, medium enterprises. Um, I'd seen an opportunity in the region. Um, it's, it's an up and coming region, it has a lot of family style businesses, which are growing and maturing. And I thought this would be an interesting market to tap into, uh, bring some kind of process and structure, which I was good at into uh, these kind of businesses. And I had in the back of my head, maybe I can do a consultancy. And after this Venture Lab weekend, I was hooked on the concept of entrepreneurship. Very cool. And, and, and Mache, from your side, I mean, I guess you've come, it's nice that you actually had a relationship with Richard before you guys were actually connected professionally, which is always brilliant. But was that kind of a difficult process for you? I mean, you have this idea and this concept that you've developed and now, you know, Richard's coming in to help you develop that or how did, that, how did those discussions go? Was it quite seamless or did you, did it feel kind of, yeah. you know, because it's always, I think it's always a bit of a challenge to give, you know, give up some part of your business or, or have someone join you on that journey, you know? No. So yeah, I wasn't starting this business alone, but my uh, original business partner moved uh, and with Richard, it was really a click and you know, as an entrepreneur, I understand people who are really protective of, over their own ideas. But on the other hand, if if you don't have a lot of money to make it happen and you are not like almighty person that can really do everything, you have to ask for help. And uh, like, yeah, like for me, it's more important to make it happen instead of having uh, and having the entire business for myself like i know that i'm not going to do it alone and uh, yeah I, I shouldn't have the entire business for myself this is like it's not healthy to be honest in my opinion and you guys have very complementing skill sets right yeah so this is one of those things which has really had worked out well for us actually um and it's actually one of the things that venture lab taught us a lot was you, you can't do it yourself. You can't do everything yourself and trying to almost damages your business in the reg that regard. And like, you've got to be like, one in a million and then some, I think, to 
run everything from the ground up for a business starting up. There's so many things to consider. You you may think you know everything at the beginning, but about a week in of thinking about it, you don't. And about two months in, three months in, you definitely don't know anything. <laughs> yeah, so there are as well different businesses. So if you really want to run a small company, maybe you can probably you can do it. There are examples of it. But our business is so diverse and requires development of so many levels at so many levels, plus building uh, good relationships with customers and understanding of of their needs. It's just impossible. You are just learning how important your team for you, uh, for the success is. And it's nice to have that sounding board for your different ideas or for thinking about how you want to approach the market and having two people. But also, alternatively, I'm sure it must help when you sat down, like you say, with clients or prospective clients or partnerships, et cetera, when you can show maybe a, a larger, even a large organization, if it's just a couple of people that are committed to the goal of the company. So I'd say that's actually really key. When when you, Unless you happen to have the happy position that you have enough money in the bank before you start any business to fund yourself to the point where you're profitable, you're going to have to get an on, um, investors on board. And investors, what we found the hard way, well, maybe the hard, not the hard way, but we, we found out as we went along was that they, they care about your idea until the point where you've explained your idea. And then they don't care about your idea at all. They care about your team. Mm. Um, and what they're looking for is a team which can deliver the idea. And the it's a bit trite to say, but it, it, it fits. Um, you can have a bad idea and a good team and deliver it, and you can have a really good idea and a bad team, and it doesn't matter how good the idea is. It, it's a really good point. I was literally having a, a very similar conversation with this other week as companies start to grow and, and expand, and, and it becomes, especially for, for startups, right, to find the right talent that can help, because you, you've got to be able to attract for me. I'm sure you guys are starting to have these conversations now as you start to grow and, and you know, are being approached by additional funding, but it is such a challenging step. I mean, more even so for big, large corporations, they can have trouble finding the right talent. Let alone people that are not just willing to take a bit of the risk, but you know, also I mean, you have a lot of the skills. You, you're probably looking at people that can wear a lot of different hats at the early stages of your business as well, which isn't you, you know the most common skill set or background of individuals. Yeah, de- definitely. So you really want you're really looking for multi-talent people, but. For us, it, there, there are like two levels. Like I can speak for myself, so I'm not like old, experienced entrepreneur. So I really need to grow into everything what I'm doing. And I'm doing it mostly by, by observing other people and taking lessons and feedback from, from people. So this is how we're building our team initially. Uh, I, we both heavily rely on our network on scouting for people. Again, Venture Lab is tremendous help because we are meeting multiple people with really multiple backgrounds. So this is how we found our software engineer. And he has a good, very good understanding of ent- what entrepreneurship is. And he can really give us very critical feedback on not only software development side, but both on as well on how to run a company, which is really good. So he, he stands slightly on different side of a fence and that helps. We were lucky with our uh, lab analyst, Chiara. We found her by by complete coincidence. So here, Facebook helped us. We are not ashamed to say so. (laughs) We have a good network of people. The University of Groningen is quite big in the northern part of the Netherlands. And having, like being a startup from the University of Groningen and uh, having uh, 
university investment fund on our side that helps us a lot because a lot of young talent who is looking for job opportunities here is directed towards us. And uh, maybe not too many people know, but uh, a couple of years back, we had a Nobel Prize winner in chemistry from University of Groningen. So there's a lot of good chemists, which, which we really need and uh, we can use. So we're happy with it. Yeah, I was just going to say, um, so that's actually a really interesting point. So our, our investors, uh, we haven't actually mentioned who they are, but we have the University Holding Company, the RHM, and the NOM, which is a like a regional development agency focused on the north of the Netherlands. Uh, these are our two initial investors. And this, uh, these networks have been huge for us. They've found us experts who have been able to help us develop our products out and make us um, scalable. And they've also um, allowed us to access people who we wouldn't have otherwise found to support us in our lab services to uh, develop out on the chemistry side. Um, but also uh, just in general, like people we can talk to, finding, identifying additional customers, um, some people who we'd initially approached who we thought we'd have been able to have a good relationship with and Unfortunately, we weren't able to at the beginning convince them. We were able to get a second approach via these people, and that that was great. So, a couple of the local breweries have been incredible with us. We've had Baxbeer and Martinez, who are local breweries here. We work with them on a regular basis. One, we were developing out the business case. Actually, I spent God knows how many times—probably fifteen, twenty times—brewing with Martinez, uh, going in four or five in the morning, observing the whole brewing process, identifying how it worked. And really making sure that what we were developing as a product was something they'd actually want to use and could use during the brewing process. Seriously, four? Yeah, it's four or five in the morning. <laughs> yeah. I was say, it'd be nice if you could do it near the tail end of the day and maybe have a beer while, you know, it's one of those typical brewery tours. That I could get my head around, but four or five in the morning? <laughs> it's, it's the hardship of the brewery system, but it's okay. Yeah. And, and, and Marjo is laughing. I understand why. Um, I'm, I'm, we have very different views on how morning should work. I, I believe morning should start at nine and no earlier. So four or five o'clock in the morning was a stretch for me. <laughs> he was surprised at <laughs> four or five. Yeah. <laughs> So bringing us back, because this is kind of bringing you up to the present day, and I, I want to explore that in a moment, but bringing us back, so when you guys met and you decided to build this collaboration, where were you at that stage? So I guess you've got, you're still kind of blank slate. Were you still thinking, all right, this is where we want to move the technology into? What work was, was there to be done to get you to where you are today once you came on board, Richard? Okay, so um, the, the real thing there then was customer fit. I, I, I brew at home as well, so I'm a, I'm a home brewer myself, and... When Marjay mentioned, um, I'm thinking about craft breweries as a market, given I was interested in sustainable brewing and specifically, therefore, craft sustainable brewing, it was it was a really interesting idea to me. So when he suggested that this was something which could help craft brewers, I could see immediately how the product he was suggesting could help them. Um, but it's not enough that I think it's a good idea, and it's not enough that one brewer says this is a great idea. We had to really test that and match that kind of problem statement which we had initial validate it and then really ensure that the the value proposition we we're providing for customers was there uh, so we spent quite a few months and this is one of the reasons i spent a lot of time in breweries watching what they did talking with brewers was to ensure that what we were saying would help them would actually be exactly what they needed in that situation so Craft breweries as a customer have a need and there's not many people who actively engage them and provide a product that is tailored to craft brewers. 
There are many people who provide analytic pieces of equipment. If you look at craft brewery market for analytic equipment, there are all sorts of devices, but they are taken from other markets. They've had some software put on maybe to make them focused on the craft market. They've had some specific chemicals put into uh, kind of packet bottles um, and then sold to breweries as this is how you can test what you need to test. When they open that packet, they're told, here's a chemical. You need to put 15 mil of this into this container. Then you need to put 5 mil of this other uh, chemical into that container. Then you need to put um, this sample, which has to have been distilled or um, has to have been shaken a bit or centrifuged and put it all together. And it's, it's too much. It's not something which they really can do midway through a brewing cycle. As I mentioned, brewers start at four or five in the morning. If they do two brewing cycles in a day, they spend 12 hours brewing. And, and that means that they, they really don't have time during a brew cycle to test unless the testing is made easy for them. Uh, so that, that was one of the things we, re- like, we realized. We had to be very clear how this would help a brewer and be achievable for them. Um, and we came up with IPA, which is our core values for the, the barometer. So it's intuitive, intuitive rather, it's portable, and it's accurate. Accuracy, obviously, is it's required. If it's not accurate, there's no point in this. Portability was important. Um, but the intuitiveness is the real key here, and it had to be quick for them. So we, we worked on that. Um, and now we have this pod system where they can fill it up, put it in the machine, and then press go and forget about it for 10, 15 minutes whilst it runs the sample test. Why was the portability so important? Is that because you're thinking of space within these breweries and the thing could be put away or taken out when it, when it was required? Or It's a bit of both. So it's really like uh, craft breweries, they don't have an often dedicated lab space. So they need to be able to move it around. There's as well quite a lot of how they're called, those brewers that they rent space in the breweries. Contract brewers. Yeah. Contract brewers who come to a brewery, they brew and they leave. So they, they need to be able to bring their testing equipment or use something that's over there. So portability for craft brewers is important to an extent. No, that makes sense. I was, I was just interested because it make. I was thinking it could be a, a range of different things, whether it might be, you know, you're thinking of smaller locations or if you, you know, I, I hadn't even thought of contract brewers either. The idea that someone might come in to do a, a particular run or product and might want to, you know, test it if they're using other facilities, et cetera. Yeah. When we're thinking about craft brewers, we really don't want to make it too small because craft breweries, this is really a production facility. You don't want to have something smartphone size. You want to have something sturdy enough to not to kick it around, honestly, that uh, that's the key. But you need to be able to move it at least from the power socket to the power socket. Fair enough. That's an interesting point because like, I was in um, a local brewery yesterday, actually, and uh, they, they had a piece of testing equipment and it's too small for their needs to keep safely and it's not the right height. So... To make this the right height and to make it secure and stable, they cable tied it to a beer crate and then cable tied the beer crate to a stool. <laughs> and, and that's what they've had to do to make this piece of equipment fit the brewery that they're in. Yeah, just makeshift it. 
Yeah. And so you, you guys got to a point then. So this is quite, I, we'll bring us back on a little bit here, but, but I know you were then at this stage, you'd done your case analysis. You'd looked and gone across the market, um, Richard, you'd seen if, okay, is this going to be something fi- uh, feasible? Do, is this something we want to invest in? And then I guess at that stage, is this where you were like, all right, yes, we like the market we're going in. We've built the right case. It's now time to raise money. Or are you guys doing this in the background at the same time? You know, what's your next step after proving proof of concept so in this case we are again a bit lucky with uh, with where we were and venture lab and the roof holding uh, roof holding investment fund because they uh, before they invested they initially expressed interest and they guided before richard richard joined me they guided me through the process so they said okay yeah you told us that these breweries are interested just show us more I came back with uh, with results, show us more. This is how it was going in a couple of rounds, always requesting something else. So initially I started just by testing uh, samples in the lab. And when that convinced investors, we started looking into letters of interest, lab services, and uh, formalizing the, the business case just to convince them that there's indeed business and people are really willing to commit money towards what you are doing for investors that was the the final proof i believe and the fact that the 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 local brewers wanted really to work with us because one thing is really to deliver value but the other thing is that those people are speaking warmly about you when in not in your presence so, so at the point where we were um, raising this this business case to investors, we were saying, we think this is a good business idea. Here is a list of people who've already said that they would be interested to potentially buy this product. You can go talk to them directly independent of us. And on top of that, we were also saying, if you give us X amount of money, this is what we'll do with that money to bring it to the next round. Even if you think you've got a great idea and you've demonstrated there's a market for it, they're not. Most investors won't give you all the money up front. That's just how the nature of the business. They they want you to do it in stages. So we had milestones, and we were initially funded now for a year to move from a lab prototype to a prototype we can bring to customers, really mature it up, um, and then the, yeah, the plan is going to be uh, we we've already uh, managed to get above and beyond what we initially said we'd do in terms of developing the market case for this already. So that's quite exciting. So do you think you'll only need to be taking resources, I guess, from the from the funding um, partners that you have already, or do you think there's a stage where you, then you will open up funding more, or do you think there's enough at the moment? I mean, I guess it depends on what your future plans for, are for the organization which you're developing. But you know, I know different companies can go through various stages of funding, especially when you're thinking about, all right, is this going to be released locally first and then across the region and then globally? What sort of the future is from a funding and from a business perspective for you both? Yeah, so from technology perspective, we definitely require uh, more funding because one thing is really to develop a prototype that you can work locally. And second thing is to prepare technology in such a way that can be mass produced. So everybody is aware of it. Uh, we are like, we want to grow our company and make ourselves more mature in a like, team wise as well. So that, uh, that requires uh, extra funding. We are exploring, of course, like future markets or future products to very limited extent, but that uh, this is a certain cost as well. But there's 
there's a strategy which we want to execute and make it uh, make it viable and prove it on the market. And I guess the other point is uh, from a not not just the maturity of the um, technology, but scaling up to actually be able to deliver to that market. It's it's great to say we have this great product, but you have to be able to if if suddenly a hundred cu- customers say they want the product, you've got to be able to provide for a hundred customers. Our product is something where you buy a machine and then you buy pods on a repeat basis. So it, it was important for us that we not only had the technology right and the software right for how the device works, but you could also keep buying these pods on a consistent and repeatable basis. And as we are successful, we are able to deliver to the demand within the industry. So it was clear to investors when they initially invested that we would get to a viability stage and there would be another round of investment. Well, I guess it's so important that you've got these local relationships with breweries as well, not just for understanding the concept of the of the product, but you need to make sure that it's viable that someone's really willing to go through having additional pods, you know, and that will probably want to work closer with you as you develop the product, maybe for additional functionality in the future. And Mate, to your to your point, you don't want to be looking at maybe too many other product lines. Yeah, it's always good to keep it in, in the back of your mind until you launch your initial product. But I'm sure, you know, your mind's always kind of ticking in the background as to what you could change or improve. But I, but I guess your first step is when when can we get this product to market and how you know what's the ability for us to, to do that? And it's good to hear that you're already hitting those milestones or exceeding those expectations with your current investors. Yes, that's uh, so so far we're indeed doing really well. We are very very conscious and careful with uh, with every step on the way. So I, I guess one of the things we could say is. Every penny at the beginning, you're always really conscious that every penny you have is you didn't have that many of them. So we, we really put our money into the R&D side. Uh, we know what we need to do in this first round. We have to move the maturity of the technology and then we have to scale it. So that's where all the money is currently going. Um, whilst we are doing a fair bit of marketing, the marketing we're doing is quite low cost wise, fairly high intensity in terms of effort, but the money is not too huge. Uh, we, we have a number of opportunities as a result of our Access 3 Venture Lab, um, which is allowing us to use some quite advanced technology um, to get some decent data analytics through our website and through our marketing campaigns. Um, so that's allowing us to be quite targeted in what we do in that regard without spending too much money. Uh, but at the beginning, focusing heavily on the R&D, and as we mature the product and start becoming ready to sell, that's when we're going to put the money more into the marketing side of things. When do you think that'll be? When do you think you'll bring a product to market? So we're actually about to start piloting with our first four or five breweries um, in the next month or two. The first version of our pilot device ready for breweries to test is going to arrive next week, actually. In this case, that's uh, end of February, um, since I don't know exactly when this will go out. Um, So we're hoping to start doing our local testing then. Uh, We expect the testing to take three to six months to test and then to refine and optimize from that. And in the Netherlands market, we actually have the Craft Browers Conference, which is one of the biggest networks of uh, craft breweries in the Netherlands. And they have their conference in April. So we're actually going to be doing a little pitch there. And then we're hoping to speak to them in the next few months after that. Um, with a view to taking pre-orders at that stage. I think realistically, we'll have the product on the market in the Netherlands near the end of this year, beginning of next year. 
I'd love to say, yes, it's February will be on the market in June, July, but hardware is hard. Um, anyone who tells you otherwise is lying. <laughs> um, um, and we need to kind of make sure we're realistic. We don't want to over-promise over and under-deliver. We'd far rather deliver exactly the right device when we said we would. But this is exciting. This is a really crucial next 12 months to your business. And I'm sure that's really exciting to see. I mean, especially because you're getting to pilot some of the product, get a lot of that feedback, and then be able to present. So really exciting time for you guys to be taking the next step. And also to hear that actually a lot of, I mean, I guess a lot of it will be still designing and getting the feedback from each of those pilot programs before you feel confident that the the product will say what it does on the, you know, on the tin. So for me, as somebody who spent most of my professional life in an academic lab, that would be really fascinating. I'm really looking forward to it. It's like, I can't even imagine what kind of feedback will come back to me. Like based on already feedback that we are getting, it's, it's something that I never expected before. So I, I just want more and to get more, I need to deliver more. So that's my motivation for the next couple of months, I guess. Fantastic. Well, look, guys, thank you so much. I mean, I'm, I'm very much interested to, I guess, understand my last question to you both is given the journey you guys have been through so far and, and the things that are coming up in the future, what kind of lessons have you taken maybe from your partnership or maybe from the business as a whole that if someone's listening in now, you wish you had known when you had started this journey? Yeah, so for me, team is everything and people who are surrounded by it's, it's everything. I, in our business, it's impossible to do it on your own. It's as simple as it is. So you really need to select people well. You need to know yourself well enough how to build a team to support. In this case, is mine, ours idea to, to bring it to the market and what kind of business partners you need. And that's still something that, uh, that I'm learning. And I think um, from my side, as well as the team point, which is huge, I think probably the most important thing, like you, you cannot do everything yourself. The, the customer value fit, the value proposition of what you're doing with your customer is so important to be able to articulate clearly. I, I'm, I'm more on the project management governance side by trade, but being able to articulate what a customer needs was something I found a fairly easy transition. Um, a lot of the time I spent in project management was translating what techies wanted to understand from management and management from techies. So understanding what customers want from a business and then vice versa. Um, that That's a hugely important translation to be able to not just understand as a business, but also to convey to potential investors. Oh, exciting. For people who are interested in a bit more of learning a bit more about SG Papertronics or a little bit about the Bureau and maybe keeping their eye open for a release date, where can they find out more information about you guys? Uh, so the best place to look is our website, so www.sgpapertronics.com. And from there, you will be able to see our current website and just explaining how the company's going and also a link across to the Beerometer as it comes out. At the minute, we're holding everything under one site, but in the next month or so, we are moving to splitting it out so that the Beerometer is its own marketing campaign, effectively. Um, we're going to be doing that under a website called testmybeer.com, um, which we thought was very on point. I love that name. Great. Uh, well, thank you, guys. I really appreciate you both coming on the show today. I'm really excited, waiting with bated breath to see what the future holds for the uh, Bureau Meter and SG Papertronics. Hopefully, I can welcome you guys back on the show this time next year or in the next year, and we'll we'll actually see this product on the market and see it out. You know, really exciting times ahead. Thank you very much, Nathaniel. Thanks. Thank you, guys. 
Hey, thanks for listening. And don't forget to subscribe. You can listen to us on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcast, TuneIn, or even on our website at www.breakingthechain.online.